I was preparing this week, during the week, I was just feeling uh, I didn't have anything. God, what are you doing? What are you saying? And as I started preparing my declaration for, uh, I think it was Friday, God really spoke to me about us needing to speak about his goodness more and more. Amen? Who wants to see revival in this place? Who knows that change has to start here first? Amen? Uh, Steve uh, prophesied, Steve McCracken, a number of months ago about a lid on the place. And we've had a prophetic word about the lid being uh, loosened. But as we were worshipping this morning, God really spoke to me that if we want to see that lead move, we have to choose to push it off. Amen? If we want to see breakthrough, we have to be the ones that do the breaking. So often we wait and say, God, you do the work. God, you do this. And God says, no, 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 I've given you authority. I've put the word in your mouth. I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, so you need to start taking ground. You need to start breaking things. You need to start pushing through. And when the enemy pushes, you push back. Because the enemy doesn't like when we resist. And he rises up and tries to say how powerful he is, how awesome he is, how great he is. And we back down because we think he's, he's right. But he's not. He has no authority. He has no power. He has no strength. He has nothing in him because God stripped it all away from him. And you know what? He gave it to you. So stand in authority, live in authority, and talk about God as a person of authority. Amen? Uh, several weeks ago, we looked at worship. And uh, the, thing, the thing that really struck me with worship as we're looking at this is the fact that I'm supposed to be entertaining God, not the band or things entertaining me. And this morning, as I was just praying, I was just thinking on this song, Will, could we put that song up please? Heart of Worship. We've sung this song, I don't know how many times over the years, but those lines, when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that'll bless your heart. Music is not worship. You loving God is worship. Worship comes from here. As a musician, when I play, it comes from here. My heart when I play piano, guitar, bass, whatever, is God, I want to see you exalted. I want to see you praised. And so when I play, I do my part, but it requires us to sing and to lift. If there's no music, as we saw this morning, a number of the team weren't able to be here. It, It just happens that way sometimes. But even without music, I can still worship God. And some of my best times of worship have been at home, in my study, when there's no one around. Or just sitting in front of the fire, just admiring even the flames of a fire, how great our God is. You look at the picture in the background, that's one of our local pictures of, I'm assuming, a sunrise. But just see the greatness of our God. And to worship Him because He's worthy of all praise. And and I was thinking that, that the worship part, when we look at this, that when the music fades, all is stripped away and I simply come. When there's nothing else around, it's about me bringing something that's of worth to my Father. And worship is about me entertaining him. And if you didn't catch that sermon, you need to go back and listen to it because worship, when Jesus says you will love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, what he's saying is you will entertain the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And we so often say, but I didn't feel anything this morning. I didn't get anything out of the worship. It's not what I get, it's what I give. Worship is about me entertaining, and as I entertain, then I start getting the feelings, but the feelings are secondary. Amen? Worship is not about me 
pursuing what I get, it's about me pursuing what God can get from me. As I change my mindset about God and come to a place where I'm in total surrender to Him, desiring to entertain Him, being obedient to Him and living in a way that I can put Him forward or push Him forward in everything I do, then rather than Him being an option in my life or a fashion accessory in my life, He becomes my everything. He takes centre stage. And if we want to see God take centre stage, then we have to be intentional about putting him there. For God to increase, we we need to intentionally focus on our walk with him. And I love what John the Baptist said in John 3.30, he must increase and I must decrease. As a Christian, he must increase and I must decrease. And we live in a society that that pushes self-awareness. But as Christians, we need to have more of a God awareness. We need to be more aware of what he's doing in our life uh, day in, day out, within our families, within our church, within our businesses, within our social connections, just within life to be more aware of what he is. And in Luke 9.23, when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, it doesn't mean pick up a wooden beam and start journeying the path of Jerusalem that he walked on. As I was looking up the word, follow, I saw some interesting things, and if we we break this scripture down, Jesus says to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him disregard his own interests, deny himself daily, and follow me. There's an element, if we want to follow God, that we have to say, me, less of, God, more of. Are you with me? As Christians, we're supposed to be followers of Christ. Now, a follower isn't necessarily someone who just follows the same path. Now, on the night before our wedding, I was, uh, I think I was 23, we were about to get married, and we were taking our car to the place we were going to have our honeymoon. I was driving one car, Robin was driving the other car. Robin drives like this. (laughs) And I drive like this, (laughs) looking for every gap, trying to get there as fast as I can, And had she kept up with me, I would have done it in less time than it would have taken. But the thing is, following is not always an easy thing when the person's going all over the place. Sorry? (laughs) She got very cross with me. I don't know why. I was driving very good. I didn't have an accident. I think I only got tooted three times on that trip. No, uh, but when we're following God... God's not going to go crazy and get us to do things that that we can't comprehend. And you'll never go away and say, just keep up. What's wrong with you? He's a gracious, loving God. But that's not the concept of what follow is. The Greek word here is akolotheo. And you might say, well, it sounds Greek to me. That's because it is. But there's two parts to this word, a which is the the first letter of the Greek alphabet, alpha, representing Christ. The second part, koluthos, means road, or the way to be followed, or the path that we must travel on. And I thought it was interesting reading this. Uh, When you look at the word road, it means to be in the same way with or to accompany. So if we look at this word to follow, means to be in the same way with or to accompany Christ. For us to follow Christ 
doesn't mean I trace the path that he's gone and let him do all the work. It means I accompany him in what he wants to do. And in Acts 1.8, we see the Holy Spirit superimposes himself over us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He empowers us. So everything we do, we do together. And we'll look at that a little bit further. But for me to call myself a Christian, I am one who accompanies Christ. That's what Christian is. One who follows or who accompanies Christ. So there's a responsibility in, in my part here that God, what are we doing today? God, where are we going? God, I've got this person standing before me. What do I say? How do I say it? How do I show your love, your life to this person? What am I supposed to do? And in all this, it becomes more of him, less of me, because then I start becoming interested in this person's life from his perspective. Not from my perspective, but his. He gives the directions and I follow. And some people struggle in the whole thing of, of preaching the gospel. They say, well, how do I preach the gospel? I don't know the Bible well enough, but that's not what this verse is saying. When Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the word there is good news. And the good news is your story. You know you have a story? You have a story to tell? If we look at Psalm 107 from verse 4, through to verse 31, there's four different groups of people and every single time they cried out to God, every single time he responded and delivered them. And I, I, as I was reading that, I thought, how many times, and, and one commentator said this is a whole illustration of Israel. And we look at Israel, how many times do they come up and mess up? Do they say, God, we will surrender to you. We will do everything for you. God, we will honor you with our lives. And, and, it, and then five minutes later, they're moaning and groaning and complaining, just like we do. <laughs> Who else has complained to God in their life once or twice? The first time is in verse six. They says, Lord, help. They cried in their trouble and he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety to a city where they could live. In verse 8, it says, Let them praise the Lord for his great love, for the wonderful things he has done for them. So the first part is they cried out, he delivered them, and then David says, is the writer of the psalm, let them praise the Lord. And then we see a second time in verse 13, Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and the deepest gloom and snapped the chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. The third time in verse 19, Lord help, they cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Verse 21, let them praise the Lord for his great love for the wonderful things he has done for them. And then the fourth time again in verse 28, Lord help, they cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper, and he stilled the waves. In verse 31, let them praise the Lord for his great love, for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. Four times they cried out, four times he delivered them. That's only referenced here. But how many more times did they cry out? How many more times did God deliver? How many times have you cried out? How many times has God delivered you? 
How many people remember at least one occasion in their life where God has delivered them and set them free? Good. Think about some of those because I'm going to be asking for some testimony soon. Because part of let's talk about it is talking about it. These are the wonderful things God has done. Because we may not realise it, but this psalm models for us how God wants us to respond when he redeems us. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. But if we go back to verse 1, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his love endures forever. Who knows God is a good God? Why do you know that? He's proven it. That's exactly it. We've walked the journey where we've seen God do this. So I don't just say God's a good God because somebody else said so. I say God's a good God because I've walked the journey and I've seen him do it. And he's come through time and time and time again. He's been faithful to my failings time and time and time again. I remember Michael preaching a a few weeks ago saying, this is what I'm preaching on and I'm the very person who shouldn't preach on this because I'm human and I fail in these. And every single one of us come in that place, myself included. So many times I've let God down. So many times I've come and said, God, I've messed up again. God, I so need you you, you to break through in my life in this. And God responds to my prayer of faith and redeems me. But it's responding to the prayer of faith. God doesn't care if you wander and come back and wander and come back. He wants the coming back to be, God, I'm back. And even if we trip up, you stand up again, God, I'm back again. And God responds to that because he is a God of love. But he wants us to respond in faith. He wants us to push through and say, God, I'm back. What's next? If we look at verse 2, it says, has the Lord redeemed you? It's a question here. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak it out. Tell others he has redeemed you from his enemies. And I think this is a a plan God wants us to follow. He said, God is good. You know that because you've experienced it. Now, if you have experienced it, tell someone. Tell others about the goodness of our God. It's, responding, it's, it's instructing us to be responsive to specific things God has done. It's easy to say, oh, God's a good God. I was talk, talking to somebody this week and he said, I, I avoid evangelism because I don't know what to say and I'm worried that they're going to push me back and say, we don't want to hear you. And I said, but if that happens, they're rejecting God, not you. But I said, your job is to tell your story because you have one. And he was telling me about all the things that he'd done in his life and how God had redeemed him. And I said, you have an incredible story. So just tell people your story. And if I ask, God did it. I can't do all this on my own. I can't redeem myself on my own. I need a bigger God than me. We need to be specific, not just general. Each of us can share about the the many times that God has redeemed us. But how many times do we declare his goodness? How many times do we say, God did this, God did that, and and we'd be specific on that? Because the reality is, as we're specific, as we start speaking, we start stirring our own faith. And then when we come next time, God, I have a need, what am I going to do? Because we've spoken it out, because we've created the atmosphere that says, my God is my redeemer, my God is the one I remember, my God is the one I live with, we start putting that into practice by the words we speak. And then our natural response when we're in trouble is to say, I'm going to the one who delivers me. The words you speak, as you declare, you start creating. And you have no idea the power of your mouth and what you create, but you are made in the image of God. 
God spoke and created. In Genesis 1.26, says we're made in the image and likeness of God. So God speaks and creates, you speak, you create. So let the words that come out of your mouth create something. Create a testimony of how good God is. And as I was preparing for this, I had a real sense that just to open it up for a few people to come forward and say, I want to testify of what God has done in my life. Not just the fact he's a good God, but specific answers to prayer. And so I'm going to do that now, if I could just grab the other mic, Adrian. And uh, if, if anybody wants to come up and share something, don't just sit there and go, oh, no, 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 that's not for me. You need to push this lid. You need to break this lid. If you want to learn how to evangelize, you learn how to share your story. And what better place to do it in, in, in front of people who are going to celebrate with you. Now, when I asked earlier who's, who's got a story to tell, probably half your hands went up. So who's going to be first? Let's get a few people just to line up at the front. That way we don't delay too much. Keep it short, but be specific. Hi, I'm Alan. I, I point to three parts. When I was 11, I had peritonitis. The doctors didn't discover it for 48 hours. The doctors told my mother after 14 days in hospital I could have died, point one. When I was 13, I went with a group of young men to Hinchinbrook Island. We were swimming in a freshwater pool. I nearly drowned, point two. A lot, many years later, I was in Brisbane in a hurry to go and see someone walking across a four-lane busy road. Without thinking, without looking, I walked onto the road. If I'd taken one step further, I would have been in a wooden box. Point three. I thank God for his preservation. Amen. The times God has redeemed me are literally countless, but um, the highlights of him turning me around is I, I live with a Christian man. That I live a Christian life com oh, compared to my, my previous life. I have a son. I've defeated cancer and it's all down to God grabbing me by the hair as I was going under. Amen. Three years ago, Kathy was diagnosed with bowel cancer um, and the surgeon at that stage said that I want to take her whole bowel and everything attached to it. We went away to home and the first thing we did was sat on the lounge and we prayed and we declared God's victory over that and said, no, we don't accept that. We're going to let God do his thing in this space. So we went back to the surgeon and said, you take the cancer and nothing else. Kathy got three years all clear about two, three weeks ago. Um, I grew up not really liking who I was for many, many years and probably a lot of people wouldn't know that. And I would have probably been, I don't know, in my 40s. Everything seems a long time ago. But I read the scripture one day and, and the, the scripture that totally arrested me and I wasn't saying God changed me, I was just not happy. And the scripture said, how dare the clay say to the one who made him, her, Tinica, why did you make me like this? I got totally arrested by God. I got such a shock, I said, oh, I've probably been saying it for 40 years quietly to myself. And it was just a, a supernatural act of God to come to the place where I could sing, I oh, thank you for making me me. You know, that's a kid's song. 
but I used to not be able to sing it. But I just thank you, Father, for making me me. But I did not thank him. So it was amazing. Even though I wasn't even really crying out, God just totally, supernaturally said, right, that's it, turn around. Praise God. Well, God set me free from depression, well, mainly all of my depression. He just seems to be lifting me each and every day. He set me free from my addictions. We've been going through a hard time lately the last 12 months because one of our daughters has moved out. And just two weeks ago, she left for good and said that she would not speak to us anymore or see us anymore. And I've heard from her every day this week. So I just want to thank God for that. He's given me four beautiful children and a beautiful husband. So I just want you to know that there's hope for anybody. No matter what you've been through, God can heal you of anything. And I just praise and thank him for everything. Yeah, um, I just thank God for redeeming me. Um, When I was younger, I lived with my ex-husband before I married him and I thought I was no good uh, when I went to church and my family and other people were trying to get me saved and I thought I was going to have to make it up to him and um, I sort of was saying that but then God pulled up my arm and um, he showed me I'm good enough and uh, so I went out the front and I was saved but yeah God just thought enough of this lie and um, also about three years ago when I first came here was when the prophets were praying for the leaders. Um, I had different health issues, some physical, others emotional. And um, I just wanted healing from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. But God knew what was best for me, and he healed me of depression. And it was like a long-going thing, because I've got a thyroid disorder from birth that I found it really difficult to cope with. Drags me down, affects my memory, does a lot of things, and it's really affected me and other issues about my mother (laughs) that have been long-term too. And, um, yeah, he just healed me of the depression. I just had to go about doing the things that he wanted me to do, ministering into other people's lives. And uh, because he told me, this is not just for them, it's for you. And, um, yeah, he healed me of depression, absolutely healed me. I didn't used to want to talk to people, see people. I'd think, oh, no, someone's coming up my path. I don't want to see them. I didn't have the energy. Um, it was just so sad. Mal, mal, nothing that anybody said could make any difference to how I was feeling. So I praise God for that and many other things. Many, many years ago, um, my family and I decided to uh, uh, go for a trip to Brisbane to see some relatives. And um, in, in our Tarago, this is when the kids were still young, uh, so we packed the Tarago and off we went. Come to Coffs Harbour, we broke down. We had a, um, a gearbox problem, so I went to a, a mechanic and said, Doug, how, long, how much is it going to cost me to, uh, to repair this? And he said, $3,000. And at the time, we didn't have $3,000. We just had enough to, co- to go up and back. And so I got a second opinion, and he said, um, he says, look, I can temporarily fix it, but I can't guarantee it. Um, so um, off we went again, uh, on the way to Brisbane, 
Oh, be, before we, be, before we went to, uh, we, be, before we went off, I prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, Lord, um, may it be that if we are to break down, may it be in our driveway, um, on going up our driveway, uh, on the way back home. So we went to um, we went to Brisbane. We drove around Brisbane for two or three weeks or whatever it was, with with five children and and their luggage. Come all the way back home again, and what happened? We couldn't get up our driveway. Six months ago, I had an operation. The one day I was swimming and the next day I woke up and I had a little bit of pain and then it got more severe and severe and Rachel was with me. And I said, call the ambulance. (laughs) So the ambulance came and I went to Royal and they took x-rays but they couldn't find anything. And I said, I got such a pain, you have to do something. So they did, took another one and then it was my uh, bowel. So, and they said, if we operate on you, you will be, you can be in a wheelchair and in tubes, or you can die. I said, well, when I die, I go to the Lord anyway. (laughs) But I had completely peace. The Lord gave me his peace. I wasn't scared at all, even when I woke up, because I had um, cancer on the left and on the right, and and, um, so they took it all away. God has been really good, so we can always trust him. doesn't matter. He can work everything out for good. If we die, we go to heaven anyway. So, you know, we can, in every uh, circumstances, I think, if we give it to the Lord, it's so much easier than we get all worried about it and think, ooh, this could happen or that. Whatever happens in our life, he is in control always. Amen. I remember hearing a joke one day about a guy who, uh, he was late for a business meeting in town and uh, couldn't find a parking space anywhere and he's going, God, if you're real, if you provide me with a parking space, I'll go to church for the rest of my life. And right in front of him, a parking space opens up. He goes, never mind, I found one. (laughs) But what I'm getting at is that so often things happen, we pray for them, we ask God to do a miracle in our life and sometimes it happens and we just forget about it. But what if you were to start writing some of these things down? Start keeping a book of testimony in your life. This is what God's done. This is what God's done. And then when you come before somebody and start talking to them about God, and they're starting to ask you questions, you're starting to draw on stories you've got. Because Acts 1.8 says, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. A witness is a legal term. A witness speaks of what they have seen and experienced. Hearsay doesn't count. You cannot be a witness for Christ if you haven't experienced it, and that's not how God works. So every time you see something, write it down, make a note of it, tell people about it. This is what God did in my life this week. That's what church should be. It shouldn't just be a case of where we come to church, sing a few songs, hear a sermon, have a great coffee, then go again. We come to church and we stir each other. We encourage each other. You know what God did in my life this week? God delivered me. God saved me. God healed me. The thing I was praying for all this week, I saw God respond. We've seen time and time and time again in our family things that God has done. And it's good to remember those. We so often we forget about them. We push them off to the side. And some people might say, but I don't have a story. I haven't been a Christian for a long time. 
2 Corinthians 3.18 says we're being changed from glory to glory. And in a message I heard this week, this guy was talking about that very thing. He says, we love the glory and we love the glory, but we don't like the two part. Because God's changing me from glory to glory. And the two is my journey. The two can sometimes be painful. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, isn't just a, a, a psalm about living a blessed life. That's included in it. It speaks of provision and blessing, but it also speaks of Father bringing us to a place of, uh, of protection, rest, and restoration. And if God has to protect you, then there are some attacks coming your way. And those attacks can leave us feeling stressed. If we need to be in a place of rest and God can bring us to that rest, things have happened that have left us feeling exhausted. And if God needs to restore us, sometimes we might be broken. And we can't always say, my life has to be perfect, my life has to be awesome, I'm, I'm a Christian, life should be great from now on. Well, you now pose a threat to the enemy and he's going to try and attack He's going to try and, and send things your way. He's going to send things your way, but as you resist, and one of the other devotions I did this week was that as we resist, this resistance training develops us spiritually. And as we push back to the enemy, and we push back, and we push back, he's got no chance but to cave in because he has no authority and no power, and we are backed by the Spirit of God himself. Amen? So we need to push. That, that pushing through is a good thing. And the wolves will come. The wolves will come. The foxes try to eat the vines. Attacks will come our way. Things will happen that will leave us feeling drained. But God. But God. And we have to acknowledge, but God. And every time we stand in front of someone, we have an opportunity to bring conversation. But we need to look for ways we can inject Jesus into that conversation and we had a pastor in our church many years ago who died of cancer but he said every time I speak to someone I'm looking for a red light or a green light and he goes not from the person but from God he goes and as I'm speaking I'm praying and if I feel there's a green light I'll go and if I feel there's a red light I'll just hold back and I'll see what God wants to do but Smith Wigglesworth one day was I think he was pacing the street and God said go and talk to the man in that carriage so he just jumps up on the carriage and says to the guy, where are you going? The guy goes, I'm going home. He says, I'm going with you. He says, no, you're not. He says, yes, I am, because God told me to talk to you about him. Today's your day. I'm not interested. Yes, you are. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, you are. How do you know? God told me. And he sat with him for two hours, <laughs> rode to his home, got the guy saved, and then had to walk all the way back. <laughs> but he knew God had spoken. And as we press in, as we, as we seek God, as we listen, we don't worry about the wolves coming. We don't worry about the stress. We don't worry about all these other things because God. God will bring us to that place of restoration, but we have to press in and say, God, I am here. God, I'm exhausted. I need your strength. This week, I haven't been feeling too well. Getting up to preach today, I said, God, I need your strength. I need you to do something in me. And I haven't felt tired for the last two days as I'm preparing. God's been doing things in there whether that's natural restoration or whether it's God's miracle, I don't know, but I'm going to lean on God's miracle. I'd rather give him glory. I'd rather testify the goodness of my God. 
And so as we do things, we need to say, I am empowered by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is on me. He is in me. He is with me. What I speak, he speaks. What I see, he sees. Where I go, he goes. So when the Holy Spirit empowers me and I go somewhere, I know that I'm doing this accompanying him. I am following him. I'm in this place today. What do I do, God? Lead me in this. And you do well to get up in the morning and start your day off with a notepad and pen. Say, God, lead me. What do I do today? And I've had times that I've done that and God has saved me a lot of time during the day by orchestrating things that he wanted me to do. God has a plan for our life, but he wants us to be his witnesses. He wants us to testify of his goodness, not just to run the path. We don't just trace his steps when he says, go down to the beach. He doesn't just want us to go down to the beach and enjoy the water. He's probably got something for you to do. So God, I'm at the beach. What next? God, I'm here. What do you want me to do now? God, I've been reading your word. You've been speaking to me all week about telling my story. Who do you want me to tell my story to? What's your plan for my life? Follow him. Don't just follow him, but actually walk with him, accompany him. Let him lead. That's part of what the Christian life is. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak it out. Speak out what he's done. Tell others what he's done. And the other verse I was looking at, which I won't go right into, was Acts 2.1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Fully come. You know, there's not going to be another Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's not coming again. He's already available to us now. He is on us and in us now. And we walk with him. We live with him. The day of Pentecost is here. As individuals, we should be pursuing the supernatural. These signs will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They will cast out demons. They will take up deadly things and they won't hurt them. These signs aren't just for for you to live as a Christian. These signs are for you to start getting a story. Because some of these things, like we're talking about in Psalm 23, some of these things we go through in life, these, these valleys that we might go through, that's where your story is formed. That's where your testimony is formed. That's where your ability to say, hey, I'm a witness firsthand of what God's done. That's where that's formed. So I want to encourage you to, to, to write your own story. To start making a note of things that God's done in your life. Start talking to people about the goodness of our God. You might say, I don't like talking to people. Well, get over it. Because God said, go and make disciples. God said, go and preach the gospel. But you don't do it in your own strength. You do it empowered with the Holy Spirit. He will never leave you, never forsake you. You have a story to tell. That needs to be the goal of your day, every day. I'm going to tell the story about my amazing God. Amen? Let's all stand. Father God, we declare that you are a great God. We thank you that you have empowered us with your spirit. We thank you that you, that you live with us, that you never leave us or forsake us, and that we, can, we, can, we have the opportunity to live and walk with you every single day. Lord, we commit ourselves again to you. Father, we surrender our lives again to you. Any lid that may be on us that we allow to sit there, we push back in Jesus' name, and we say that lid is to be broken. From this day forward, 
I want to live my life as a testimony to the goodness of my God. I will lift my voice in worship. I will speak when I have the opportunity. I will allow you to lead. Father, in this place, we want to see you glorified. We want to see your name advanced in this community. You said you would build your church. And we want to accompany you in that journey. Father, use us for your glory, we pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask for a a breakthrough in lives, even this morning. You know the journey that we've all been on. You know the stresses that we go through. You know the times that we need to come before you and say, God, I need breakthrough. I need protection. I need rest. I need restoration. And you're the God who provides all that. If you need a touch of God in your life today, I'm just going to ask you to just to raise your hand. Because we serve a God who is bigger than our problems. We serve a God who says, I'm, I'm transforming you into my image from glory to glory. The valleys may come, but the mountaintops are God's goal for your life. So don't focus on the valley. Focus on the mountaintop. But I'm just going to ask you guys to come forward. We're going to pray as a church with you. We're going to surround you as a, as a family. If you've raised your hand, you just come forward. We're going to sing a song. We're going to worship our God and exalt him for his name is above every name. Just come forward now. If you've raised your hand, just step out of your comfort zone and say, you know what, I want this breakthrough in my life. You might even say, I hate talking to people. I need to overcome this. And you come forward, we're going to pray with you as well. You might want a, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your life. Come forward, we're going to pray with you. Believe for an outpouring in your life. Believe for God to do bigger and greater things. Father, I thank you for every person responding this morning. Let's all pray this together. Heavenly Father, I surrender my life before you. I want you to be my Lord and Saviour. I will follow you. I will accompany you. I will allow you to lead and I will follow. I am your child and you are my father. I surrender my life to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we could just start singing. Let's just, let's just get in that place of worship. One of the big problems we often see in church is when there's an altar call, we start watching. We sit back and, and we allow ourselves to be entertained. Take this time to entertain God. Take this time to lift your voice and say, I am worshipping my King. I am worshipping my Saviour. I'm going to ask some of our leaders to come forward, Michael, Neville, Dee, Bernie. A number of you guys, just come forward and just start praying as you feel led. Bart, can you come forward as well, please? And Jono, just gather around some of these people and just start praying and believing for an impartation of God into people's lives complete breakthrough into people's lives. Bless your name. Let's just start worshipping, praying and seeking God. As we-